This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to Inside Voices. I'm Kevin T. Porter. My guest today is Lauren Lapkus. Okay, a little background. Lauren Lapkus is an improviser and an actor, and she's very funny. You might have seen her in Jurassic World or on The Big Bang Theory, or you might have heard her on one of her 100-plus appearances on Comedy Bang Bang, or on one of her own podcasts, like with special guest Lauren Lapkus, Raised by TV, Freedom, and now Newcomers, also on the HeadGum Network, very cool, very fun network, and Laptime, her Patreon podcast. This is our first episode of Inside Voices recorded post-quarantine, which we did over a Zoom call in our respective homes. And while I miss the intimacy of being in a studio and looking at the person across from you in the eye, There's a new weird kind of intimacy with remote records. We're all a little more contemplative and reflective than before. And when you're at home, now the act of recording an episode isn't terribly different than FaceTiming a friend. And that's what this conversation with Lauren felt like. Okay, let's hear Lauren describe her own voice. I actually was kind of dreading this question uh, and really didn't, I had a, a few different answers in my head, but after I thought about it a little bit, I, I decided to settle on happy. That's so nice. <laughs> I think that's terrific. I just was like, I could say annoying. I could say a bunch of negative things, but I think ultimately I, I feel like I have a happy voice. Mm-hmm. So I'll go with that. Is the happy just a concession to the negative stuff of like, if there's like 10 terms on the table for you and you're just going to choose one of them? Like, do you have to work yourself up into thinking that you have a nice voice? Well, I've gotten a lot more used to it from doing so many podcasts. Mm -hmm. I think when I first started anything where you hear yourself recorded in your life, you know, you think it sounds so weird. But now I know my voice. I feel very familiar with it from hearing myself so much. And so I and I, I think if I think of myself as annoying, it kind of like takes away the ability to do this job. So because it's like a roadblock for myself that like I'm so annoying. I can be annoying with the things I say, but I think that the sound of my voice is more just happy and I'm having fun. Yeah. And if you think you're annoying, then it makes everyone who enjoys you and what you do stupid. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So usually, like in prepping for this, because a majority of the people I talk to do go to such a negative space with it, obviously, and it's such a human instinct to do that. I usually have to like come up with a counter narrative and like jot down some terms of like, okay, I don't think it's that. I actually think it's this. I think happy is terrific. But the the positive way I did put it when I I was jotting it down and prep for this is I think your voice is like the coolest friend at the sleepover. That's, That's the way so I nice. describe your voice. Where it's oh, like, I love 
love that. There's a casualness to it. It's something that's attractive for people to be around and want to interact with and engage with. But it's also laid back. You're not. Ta- it's a sleepover, so you don't have like a, a, an inappropriate amount of like pathos or gravitas to it. It's like chill, casual. You're just having fun, but you're here to play. I love that. That's really nice. Well, I mean, I appreciate that you always do balance out people's um, negative perception of themselves. I I think when I listen to your show, I like that people say a negative thing because I never think that of them. Like I, whenever the whatever the person says, I'm like, wow, oh, I would never have said that. So I kind of like it because it's like getting to feel like someone is more real. Now I didn't let everyone have that here, <laughs> and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I did children's theater and um, I, I, and I started doing improv when I was in high school at Improv Olympic in Chicago. And um, that was like where I, I think I was using my voice, but I think I found my voice through doing improv and like, you know, kind of making it make sense and making my humor more of a real thing that way. And it's one of those things too, that when you're talking about improv, like stage stuff is so ephemeral. So you probably weren't used to having your stuff recorded and then listening back to and having any sort of like playback interaction with it until much later on in your life. Totally. Yeah. I think we didn't even have a video camera growing up. So I, I think I missed out on a lot of that kind of knowing yourself in that way. Um, so my aunt had a video camera that we would use for like big events. And then we had a friend who had one and my brother and I would like make videos with him that were like sketches essentially. But then the video camera got stolen. And so I was like, it's like completely gone. All of those things oh. are gone. So I just don't, um, I feel like I didn't have that experience as a kid really of like knowing what my voice was like. So yeah, once, once getting, I mean, when, when you get into the podcast world, it's a whole different game than even just like hearing yourself on your voicemail. It's like, I'm saying all my thoughts uh, pretty much unfiltered. Uh, for hours on end, maybe in the guise of a character or something, but it's still, but still, and it's so funny too, when like the field of comparison is not just your scene partners or even like other people in the TV show or the movie that you're in, but it's also like broadcast professionals and people (laughs) that like only have ever wanted to use their voice and not just like, here's another stream of a thing I do. So then I feel like, and obviously, especially for women, it can be such like a harsh field of comparison and scrutiny with that stuff yeah yeah I think you're right I mean I think it's so interesting I mean you've been in the podcast game for a long time and I've been in it I don't know if I've been as long as you have but maybe maybe we're close I think but you've like, been in it a little bit longer oh have I okay I, feel I like think you're technically prolific. yeah because you probably started doing stuff I mean maybe not hosting your own stuff but you started doing stuff in like 2012 I think yeah yeah I think that makes sense but it's it's so weird because the landscape has changed so much since then that like what you said about being a woman in this in this field or whatever like it's so different now than ever and there are so many people doing it I think I read some article that was like said something like um only six percent of podcasts ever go past like 10 episodes or something like there's just so many people constantly starting and stopping doing podcasts and so it's like amazing to like have like, when you can feel down about yourself I mean I'm, I'm also like going on a tangent but like I think there are times in this like field where it can feel like no one's listening or like it's who cares about this and then you look and realize no actually if you're getting like any certain number of downloads like you're killing it in this game because it's so 
oversaturated. Yeah, it's, it's so easy. Well, and especially now, but it's so easy to do like games of comparison, but really just beholding the idea of like, oh, more than like 10 people care at all what I have to yeah, say or yeah. want to listen to me or think I'm like a nice person to be yeah. around. <laughs> just like the basic affirmation stuff. It's really easy to get lost in that. Yes. But what, okay, you describe your voice as happy. Do you feel like that was always like the sort of persona you were going for, even in performance stuff, pre-podcast or performance-wise? No, no. And I don't even think it was on my radar as part of who I was. And I mean, I'm sure it was part of my personality because I, I don't think I just formed a personality in my 30s, but <laughs> I feel like, which maybe I uh, Maybe. I but I, feel, I mean, we don't know. We have no proof. Um, I feel like growing up, my humor was much more like sarcastic or like making fun. I mean, I still love to do that, but I think that was like the core of it. So I wouldn't have thought of myself as like silly necessarily, even though I'm sure that was also, I was always doing impressions. I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing to answer, I guess. But I think I, as I found myself more and like learned who I was more growing up, it became more of a positive force. But like when I think about myself back then, it's like, I guess it was more like, I would like to chime in in class and make a snide remark or, you know, you know, get a laugh that way or something. And it's mostly because it's easy. And I think like as you get older and know yourself more, maybe you hopefully move away from just doing the easiest thing. Yeah. Although I don't know if that's true of all people, because I feel like I feel like for a certain kind of person and attracted to certain kind of things I guess I should say a certain kind of person is attracted to certain kind of things and sometimes that's like goodness and and that's virtue and when you see that modeled well or like in an idealistic way I don't think it's a given that that's attractive to everybody though do you know what I mean that yeah I guess that's true I mean and also like when I say sarcasm I think I'm like and and someone putting on their dating profile I'm thinking of like the most basic dude in the world like you know I think there are comedians who are like amazing at that type of humor and like can crush someone like in a roast or something and that's like so funny so I mean you know everything I'm saying I can go the other way (laughs) yeah but I do wonder if like we didn't have even even things like Paddington or like Mr. Rogers as like models of comparison if it's just like yeah I I feel very lucky because I feel similar to you in the sense of like I don't think being mean is fun like when I see other people being mean I'm not like oh I wish I could I wish I could be roastmaster, whatever, so-and-so. Like, it's not something that I natively want. And it's like one of those weird things where it's like, you're kind of not in control of what you're attracted to or what you care about in life. So being attracted, I'm not saying that like you or I perfectly embody those virtues, but just like being attracted to those. I'm very like grateful in a way, you know what I I mean? I think you are like a a sweet beacon of light. (sighs) And I don't think of myself that way. I do think I can be like... um, you know, kind of like nasty or like and mean. And I, and I sometimes think that's really fun, but I also only really like to be that way with people. I really know. I don't feel safe making fun of someone I don't know. And I don't feel safe. Um, like having to roast somebody. I, I really don't like that kind of feeling. I think I, I really only like it when it's kind of like, we're co-signing on this moment and I can make fun of you and it's like back and forth and whatever. But like I, I, every time I've done it where it's not that I have like guilt. Yeah. (laughs) When there's like any sort of like power imbalance or you feel like Mm -hmm. you stuck it to someone in like a lower status position. Yeah. It's not good. 
I had been on a sitcom, Are You There, Chelsea, the Chelsea Handler sitcom on NBC. And that was like my, that was like my first big success. And like, um, it went for like 13 episodes and that was very exciting. And so I think at that point I was kind of feeling like, okay, I'm going to like be able to do this out here. Like I'm going to be able to like be an actor and like get jobs. Um, and I had been doing improv for like 10 years at that point and you know, whatever, I don't know how long, but I met Scott Ackerman through doing ASCAT at UCB. He was the monologist and he, after the show, asked me if I wanted to be on his podcast and I said, yeah, and I had no idea what that comedy bang bang was and I had never listened to it and I did it and I probably, it was probably clear that I didn't know what was going on. I don't know, but can I Lauren, can I uh can I play a clip of your first appearance oh, on Comedy god. Bang Bang? Oh my god. This okay. is from 2012. It's a episode with you and Scott's hosting and then the guests are Paul F. Tompkins and Jillian Jacobs. And I'm yeah. just going to play a quick little clip <laughs> of your oh, I'm so embarrassed. Intro. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> in which you play a character. It's not Tracy Reardon, but it's a character named Tracy. So I know, and I yes, yes, I did name two characters Tracy on accident, <laughs> like right off the bat. I didn't realize I did it. So here's that clip. We are so um, not proud, or but so happy to have in the studio. I guess I, I mean we're not proud because you've never been on the show before. Well, but, thank uh, you. But um, and I don't know that much about you other than you uh, uh, you're a local. It says here. Um, not really anymore, but I just got back from studying abroad in Italy, so I kind of think I'm a little bit Italian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm sure we'll talk yeah. about that, but Tracy is yeah, here. Yeah, hi. I, I don't have a last name on you. Uh, it's okay, I'm trying a new thing, just being Tracy. Just Tracy? Yeah, because my last name was really hard to pronounce, and it was Polish, so I'd like to just drop that. So. Just going one name like Voltaire. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like Moliere as yeah. well. <laughs> Never mind. He wrote a play. <laughs> oh my god that was eight years ago that's crazy what do you hear when you hear that right now i feel like i sound younger in that clip i feel like, even though it's a character i still feel like i sounded like different and i um i feel um i actually remember that moment really clearly i don't i didn't remember that, that was the character i did but i remember um being there and being like intimidated because it felt like they all had a rapport and I didn't know anyone there. So Paul and Gillian and Scott all known each other and done the show before and whatever. And I mean, I just didn't know anything. I think that was the feeling was that I was kind of like, like trying to just stay afloat. Well, there's like a certain moment in everyone's like work life or career with comedy stuff where it's like you just say yes to everything and you're booked like six nights or six days a week just because you can be and you have the capacity to so it's funny that like that was probably just a yes that came out of a moment like that and obviously like you knew and respected scott but just that that i barely know him i but i barely knew or respected him and no offense to him it was more (laughs) that i just didn't know who he was yeah and i had met him through this one performance experience where he just told some stories from his life and he was nice like i i just didn't really know anything so i think that's part of like i i later i think learned that mr show stuff or maybe he had told a story at the show and so i kind of knew he had done like stuff in the comedy world and so i just didn't know and i think in a lot of ways like that helps when you're getting going in this type of field like not knowing everything and not being because I think I might have been more nervous if I like knew too much about everyone but um yeah I never could have expected that it would lead to the path that it led to that's well it's funny too in that particular moment because it's you and it's Paul so it's like the germ of like what so much of your work life would be 
over the next yeah. like decade plus of, of what you've done with like podcast stuff. Yeah. And I never would have expected, I mean, like meeting both those guys, like, you know, you never know where you're going to make friends for one thing, but I think I just, I just would have thought like, oh, they're too established. They don't care about me or whatever. Like all the things you can tell yourself about like why you wouldn't be able to like befriend somebody. But yeah, it's kind of crazy to look back at that. Yeah. And it's a funny thing too, because it's almost like the, uh, reverse I think of what I've personally experienced in terms of like power dynamics when it comes to like host and guest because that was you in a position where it's like oh these are like you know guys I really like a lot but I'm probably like the low status person in the room here they have their own thing going on and I'm breaking in whereas I feel like so many times when I've like hosted shows or like interviewed people or asked people to come on it's like I'm the low status person and they're like validate other than like rather than like getting coronated like a WTF interview or something like that where it is like oh like whoever's on WTF that's a person that you need to know now rather than like there's certain guests and certain people and I I think you would I would include you in this where it's like them doing a show kind of validates it and validates the person in it where like it does create uh, whether it exists or not the illusion of peerdom in the room yeah 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 I think that's that is there is that feeling with podcasts in general where I would never think that listening to you like in even in your older stuff it's I think when even when I first met you I was like he must exist in this world that I'm not as familiar with like there's this way you can't see any sort of hierarchy in the podcasting community in a positive way and so like going on Gilmore guys like I feel like I was like I hope I'm doing it right. Like, you know, you just want to like <laughs> yeah. be a good guest for these yeah. people and they have a fan base and, you know. I mean, ideally everyone would just be status blind all the time and not care and just like, oh, yeah. we just want to have fun and make a thing. But I just feel like I'm constantly thinking about it. Obviously, I'd rather not be. I don't know how much it like it exists in your head even now when you're doing stuff in your shows. I think for me, the way it exists is that I don't ask certain people to do my shows if I think that they would see it as like a waste of time or not understand why they I, they were being asked to do it. I've had a few experiences where people are like booked through a publicist to do my show, uh, especially with special guests. Lauren Lapkus, which I'm sure you'll talk about, but it's an it's a improv show. You have to do improv for an hour. And these people will come in and not know what it is. And they'll then I'm like, you don't have a character prepared for me? Like, because the whole idea is like they do the work. And so when people are booked like a publicist, I feel really stressed because I'm like, God damn it. Like, I want to do this with my friends no one's ever heard of more than I want to do this with someone who has a million followers because I want it to be good. So I don't need you to come in here with your million followers just trying to get another appearance on a podcast that you're not even going to post about. And now I have to like work my ass off to make this funny. And I could have just invited an improviser no one's ever heard of and had a great time. I feel like everyone goes through that too, where it's like, Everyone, because it just makes sense from like a marketing perspective or like a strategy. Well, like if this person comes on, they tweet about it to 900,000, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But like it just so, and doing it for years and years at a time, like you just like eventually find out that doesn't truly work as a strategy. Maybe for they people that don't, they don't tweet it. No. Okay. None of those people <laughs> tweet it. So I don't even know why they showed up. 
And then they also aren't necessarily bringing something amazing to this thing just because they have a lot of followers. And this is something that happens in casting as well, where people will like cast someone who has 15 million followers on a show. And they're like, they're not the, a good actor. Like I, now everyone has to watch, you know, Logan Paul or whatever, like do something because he has millions <laughs> of followers. Like he's not good at this particular thing. Like he can do pranks in his mansion. Like that's the world. Like it bothers me. That said, uh, I, I, I hope listeners are looking forward to Logan Paul, the next guest of Inside Voices next week. Uh, we do love him here on the podcast and all of our guest reviews reflect uh, the host. <laughs> For me, status is sort of like a gateway into this like whole different like idea or conversation about like community and the things that people want from doing this stuff. And obviously, like aside from the obvious dumb like financial proposition of, of podcast stuff, I feel like so much of my motivation in doing shows and even continuing to do shows, I think is just to feel like some sense of camaraderie, not with like even higher status people in the sense of like, well, the world thinks the world of them. So I want to be next to that. But even just like people that I enjoy that I wouldn't otherwise have like social pretense to engage with. So I do wonder, I, I wonder how much for you, like the idea of like community belonging and like, podcast as a gateway to like legitimate like tangible friendship or relationship is a part of the whole equation because right now it feels pretty symbiotic in your life yeah and I think it was not ever um on purpose but I have made like truly close friends from doing podcasts and in a ways that I don't expect like Arden Marine came on with special guests when I barely knew her and now we're like best friends and that was all because we're like, that was fun. Let's hang out. Like, you know, Brian Safi is someone who I've known through UCB, but like got to know more through Earwolf and doing podcasts together. And now we talk all the time. So it's like those types of things are just like happy, you know, what's the word? Not happy accidents, but I mean, it's just like a fun side effect of the whole thing. Um, But I don't think I ever expect anything like that. And I actually usually expect people to just be like completely done with me after the hour ends and then just leave. So (laughs) it's cool when it leads to something else. Right. Which is probably more a function of the way like shooting TV shows and movies work where it's kind of like summer camp and everyone's in it when they're in it and gone when they're gone. And unless you're on like a seven season thing, there's not really the opportunity even for forming those long-term things. Yeah. And it's rare when you do stay in touch with someone to the point that you're like, I actually know them really well and we're friends and we hang out. So yeah. But maybe that's also kind of, I feel like it's me and not everyone. Like I I have friends who make friends everywhere they go and they're like real friends with them. And I, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm like that. I think I make like friends enough with everyone. And then I have some people where I'm like extremely close, but... Yeah, and it also depends on, like, your social need, too, because I feel like I get a little self-conscious about, like, the proposition on podcasts of, like, we need to create chemistry and relationship and banter and back and forth in this, like, hour that we're together. And then I do think that most people, like, or, like, guests do have the sort of mindset of, like, and we're done. Nice. Thank you. See you. (laughs) Bye-bye. And I'm, like, so what are you doing next week? You know, and I don't ever, like... (laughs) <laughs> no, reach but out I think, in that sense but and it's one of those but it's things a, well I think the skill of like hosting bleeds into real life like I think I've gotten better at conversation from doing podcasts so then like oh it's easier to like make friends with someone in this way because your personality like turns on more when you're talking to someone maybe before you might not have done it as easily I don't know I think for me it was like a skill that I kind of learned through doing this so it's like 
I think during the show, I think I can get, I can really turn it on with anyone, which is kind of good, but um, it's different in real life and like what that means, what the, where those boundaries are. And I don't know, I, I could do it if I had to, but I don't, I don't feel like I use it a lot like parties. Like I'm like, this is probably a good trick to like, just be really engaged with someone and talk, but I just like can't, I don't know. Sometimes I've like found in group, context with friends yeah at parties or just like so when there is a lull or there does seem to be like the bottom of everyone's curiosity is dropping out (laughs) i do kind of find like i i get into this mode of like so and like okay what's the next like segment here i guess (laughs) i don't know and that feels like kind of gross sometimes but then in a way like if you do think of it as like just like a general like a life skill not as something where it's like i think it's helpful yeah yeah, I think people appreciate when people do that, but it can be hard to make yourself do it, I think. Do you remember feedback, by the way, back at that time? I don't know if there was like, I don't know, I don't even know what like the online community or like the Reddits were like back then for the yeah, show. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure I, I'm sure I read everything that was available mm-hmm. um, in terms of feedback. <laughs> that's a, that's a um, habit I recently dropped. I now What made you drop it? I actually think quarantine did in a way, but I was getting there. I I had like, um, I always would read Reddit and Google after podcasts. Like I would just see what people were saying about it because I liked, I liked the positive feedback and you don't get a lot of it on Twitter. You get some, but not everyone's going to say I liked it. Like they don't, just don't say anything. So then on the threads, they'll like get really deep into like what they liked or what was really funny or whatever. And then there also, of course, are the really horrifying mean comments where someone's like, I hate everything she says or whatever. And I'm like, ooh, that one wasn't great. But um, I, I, I knew that it was like bad for me and that it was basically like self-mutilation to look because there's no positive. I never, I would always get a bad one and that's when I would stop. So it's like, okay, well now I read a bad thing and I don't remember the good things because I just stopped on a really bad one. And now I have to feel bad about myself. And so, and actually it was kind of like tied to doing a Patreon where I was like, I think I'm thinking too much about, about the response. And it's better for me to disconnect and not internalize anyone's opinion about this and in the quarantine because I'm like you know thinking my thoughts a lot more all day long and not as distracted I kind of just haven't had the impulse to do it because I know I'll feel bad and I don't need more reasons to feel bad so I haven't I've like had the restraint but it's like I've been looking for that restraint for years it's very very hard do you read comments? So, Do you read things? I mean, really, but well, first of all, if the global pandemic led to you finally not internalizing uh, critical discussion, then maybe it was all worth it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I still read a good amount, but I feel like I've gotten better at not internalizing. Here's what I've gotten better at, yeah. though, is like not engaging with it internally or externally (laughs) i mean externally that path only leads to madness right like anytime you're like well hey i thought i was like what would you even well there have been times where people will leave a negative comment on my instagram not necessarily about my podcast but just something mean and then i'll write back like hey you know i can see this right like that was really mean and then they're like oh my god i never thought you would reply oh my god and it always turns into that and you're like 
the fuck did you think was happening here? You wrote on my page. It's like putting a, an, a message on my door. Like, I am going to see it. So, And I don't get, like, thousands of comments on every picture where I can't see these comments. Like, right, but you know what I also, think that is, truly, is I think that at a certain uh, audience level or size that people assume that you are, like... Lauren Lafkis Incorporated and that you truly don't read. Se- Do you know what I mean? I, I think it's like, it's yeah. a false belief. But I think at a certain point, like if some guy has like a hundred people following him, then yeah, it would be like a jerk thing to do. But I think for a certain kind of person, they assume if you're over X amount or if you're verified or something, it means like, oh, so like you're impenetrable, right? To like any sort of like negativity or cruelty. Well, even Britney Spears posted, and she has millions of followers and I would assume she doesn't read the comments, but then she posted, like you guys are being really mean. I just like taking pictures in front of this red wall and like, I don't know why everyone's being mean about it, but I like to do that. So whatever. And I was like, that is so important. Like, yes, we're even reaching her with these things. Like being mean online is just too much. Like, especially in these times where we need this connection online more than ever. Like, just don't say the mean thing. Like, I think mean shit about things I watch and listen to. I just don't tell anyone. Like, no one needs to hear it. Yeah, I've never, I've never thought a mean thing about someone or something and then like written directly to them to let them yes. know i've left like a yelp review that was less than favorable on like a restaurant that's, that's a, helpful though yeah, that's helping that's, the community that's a public service but yeah in the sense of like actually addressing someone i do i do wonder what that impulse is although i do wonder if it's part of the same impulse to like belong to a community and be a part of it in some way yeah. where it's like if you're giving someone shit on a show and then someone gives you the shit, like if it's like, see, we're all a part of this dynamic. We're all in this mm, together. Even yeah. if it's like, I mean, I have to say there's this website called get off my internet. It's a forum G O M I. And it's, a, it's for people who follow bloggers. And then there is every blog. I'm sure every blog in the world that has a following is listed on this forum. And I have gone to Gomi, and I have, read whenever I have a negative thought I read a lot of blogs and whenever I have a negative thought about one of the blogs I will go look at if I'm in the mood go look at to see if other people are saying this negative thought and usually that's enough just to see someone else said this like okay they do think that was really out of touch that she wrote that thing and I don't need to comment and sometimes I'll read it and then go oh my god everyone's so mean that like I I actually feel like I don't even think my bad thing anymore because that was so harsh how they all just broke that down on there like yeah it can be cathartic just to feel represented by like one other person validating the thought (laughs) Yeah. yeah Let's take a break from Lauren's happy voice, and we'll be right back with more Inside Voices. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Inside Voices. Here's more from my conversation with Lauren. Yeah, so at that point, um, I had been doing like guesting on a bunch of Earwolf shows and then uh, Jeff Ulrich, who... I used to own Earwolf. I'm confused about how it all broke down, but um, he he offered me a show basically on the network, 
And I think Scott was a part of that at the time as well. That like basically like, okay, you've been doing enough things. And there weren't a ton of shows on the network at the time. Um, Now it's blown up so much. But at the time I got offered a show, I was really excited, but I had to figure out what it was going to be. And I knew that I didn't want to be myself. Um, And I was like, I have to do a show in character, but I don't want to do one character. And I don't want to have to think about what the characters will be every time. So I came up with the premise, which is that the guest is the host and I'm the guest. She's the host, but she's always the guest. And the guest is the host, so she's not really the host. It's with special guest. Hello, lab guest, with your host, somebody else. Basically, the guest comes on, they come up with an idea for the show, a premise for the show, they come up with a character for themselves, or they can play themselves, and they come up with a character for me and any facts they want to have prepared in advance about my character. And I don't know what's going to happen until we start the show and they just start, we start recording and they introduce the show like this is the whatever show and I'm so and so and here's my guest, whatever. And they introduce me and then we just improvise for an hour as these two characters. We have... You know her probably best by her reputation as the female Andy Circus. Lady Circus, they call her. Lady Circus, they mm-hmm. call her. She is a CGI motion capture specialist actress uh, who's been featured in a number of films. She was huge in the Star Wars prequels. Angora Butterman. Hi, Angora. Hi. Hey. Wow, it's so great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you, honestly. A lot of actors, we ask actors all the time to be on the show. And they just won't come on. We they get a ref- lot of declines, a lot of outright refusals. Outright really? refusals, yeah. yeah. But I guess with you, you're kind of like a half actor in a lot of ways, uh, being, um, you know, using special effects and not actually seeing your face or your body on screen, just and your yeah, movements. I'm typically not my voice either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Just, your, just sort of your mannerisms are sort of filtered through a computer. Yeah, I think of myself as a half actor. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely do. You don't find that de- demeaning at all, Angora? No! Oh, no. I mean, I know. And that was ideal for me at the time because I got to like show my skill of improvising that I I didn't have to repair anything in advance. I had to do no work essentially, but it also was mental work in the moment, which I really enjoyed. And I often, I was coming up with new characters every week because people were giving me a whole new thing every time. And so it was a really fun challenge for me and I really liked it. And I didn't, at that time, I didn't feel comfortable talking as myself on podcasts because I'd only done characters really. So, yeah, I was wondering like the impulse, like what was behind the impulse to not speak as yourself. But I guess it is like more comfy and cushy, especially at this point because you're probably performing X amount of times a week still at UCB and everything. I was doing a ton of improv and I also, um, feel like I hadn't found my comedic voice fully yet. Like, I, because most of my stuff, like as you mentioned, was not filmed it was all improv stuff that just kind of goes away there was this feeling of like I don't have anything that I really want to talk about as myself come to find out you can talk about anything but um (laughs) (laughs) at that time it was like I don't want to do that I don't feel like I want to be a host of something and interview people I want to like just do something silly I burnt out a bit at a certain point I like kind of went in and out of having different seasons I was doing it consistently for like I think a hundred episodes or something, maybe maybe something like that. And then I got a job um, shooting a movie in London. And when I came back, my followers had grown by like ten thousand people, but my ad sales were completely gone because um, I think it was something that like wasn't planned for with my situation. So I ended up doing it again for zero money when I came back. So there was this kind of this weird feeling of like oh wait why did I get punished for like getting a job like isn't this the goal to like go get a job so 
I don't really know if I, if this is sustainable, if I have to regain my ads every time I have to leave inducement, because ideally I'm going to leave again. I'm not going to be able to be consistent. So it kind of went in and out and, you know, the models kind of started to change with this stuff too. It, it, and specifically with Earwolf and Stitcher and these premium channels that we can be on where like you can do seasons of a show and kind of do it that way and plan for that but that feels so much more sustainable right yeah yeah it does because I and I think this is a this is a model where you can burn yourself out really quickly and I've been doing at the time I had five pod you know there was a point where I had five podcasts at one time and that was like I was going insane (laughs) but I also liked it but it's like it's just this like battle of like I feel like okay, I don't want to post about them all all the time because it's like I'm only posting about podcasts, but also I do a lot of podcasts and I want everyone to listen to them. But is it too many? Is it, you know? Yeah, well, and I'm wondering too what the tension is between like, it feels like people who are actors and, and obviously like when you were a kid, you didn't dream of growing up and becoming like a radio DJ or something like or right. whatever the equivalent dream would be. So there does always exist this weird tension of getting rewarded, not, not only like, you know, work-wise and job-wise, but just like, even just like critically or or affirmation-wise from an audience, from doing the thing that wasn't quite what you set out to do and wasn't the plan. And then the kind of weird relationship it has with like, what was the plan? Which is like going to do a movie in London or shooting a TV Mm -hmm. show in New York for X amount of months. But then when you come back, you are like, yeah, there's like punitive consequences for it. Yeah. So that's like, I think that's such a, that's a a perfect way of putting it because it is like, it's like an adjacent dream you didn't know you had. And you're like, well, is this it? Is this what is success? Or is this what I meant to do? I didn't, I just fell into this. I really did. But then like, it's fun. It's good. I can make a living, whatever. Like, there's a lot of positives to it. But it was hard for me to reconcile that that was like, okay, as like a thing that I'm doing all the time. Like, because I didn't, I also didn't, at the time didn't have a lot of friends doing the same thing. Now, and now everyone is doing it. Now Conan is doing it. Now everyone and their mom has a podcast. So you can't, no one is like shitting on it essentially. But like, there was this feeling of like, it's still kind of off the beaten path until like a, last year I don't know like there's like something about it that like (laughs) suddenly every a-lister wants to have a podcast and I'm very confused but I don't know I mean what do you think about I mean isn't it weird just in in terms of like the kind of a-listers flooding the market with all this stuff yeah yeah well it doesn't feel great yeah it feels it feels feels like we laid a path and then they're like oh i can make a shit ton more money than you doing this thing because you know they're getting ads for like nike or whatever like i mean yeah will ferrell's podcast had nbc as a sponsor and like budweiser or something and i was like this isn't the same like this isn't the same so it's not fair on one level like i of course i think these people are amazing comedians and performers and whatever but there's just this feeling of wait, why do you need this too? You already have a, a, you know, you do get millions of dollars to do everything you want all the time. Yeah, I get that. Well, I think, I think it's a couple things. One, I think it's like emblematic of like a, well, especially now an industry-wide anxiety about how sustainable anything is. Well, so now like, it's really popping off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> right? When it's like, oh, this is like the only thing you can put out right now to mm-hmm. some degree. Even before now, I think it was emblematic of that. And then also, yeah, just like the financial proposition of it all. But I think it's also like what happens in any industry where it's like a certain group of people, early adopters, whatever you want to call them, like gets it, like puts everything into place and puts like builds the infrastructure essentially. 
And then whatever the big boys are come in and then use it for their purposes. And sometimes it's like, yes. okay, like I think, I think truly Conan O'Brien is a good interviewer. I, think, I love his show. Yeah. And that's not to say, I mean, everything I've said is not to say that I don't listen to these podcasts. Right. No, there's just the feeling that as someone who's been, you know, in this game for a bit, you're kind of like, oh, wait, what? Now you want to do it? Like, I feel like a couple years ago, you're going, Anna, and she has a podcast as well. And that's something you can get somewhere. I don't know. Like, you know, these people like didn't understand what it was mm-hmm. and then it opened up for them. And I mean, look, would I turn it down if I were them? Probably not. But it's it's kind of confusing as a little one in the business no i feel you because it is sort of also uh symbolic of the class inequity that everyone's feeling right now too in the sense of there does seem to be this like for better or worse depending on like what tax bracket you're in the sort of hashtag eat the rich mentality with a lot of these like celebrities posting any video of themselves in their homes or from whatever like massive backyard is behind them yeah. or like roller coasters <laughs> built right. in their like front yard that they're on. And so I do wonder like when the bottom will fall out from that. And even in the sense of like, <laughs> there is a weird like, um, I don't know what the word is, maybe like complicity. Sometimes you can feel with that where it's like, uh, well, like me, for example, in the sense of like TV recap podcasts fully existed before Gilmore Guys, right? And we were just like one of them. And but then after us was West Wing Weekly, a show that I also think is very great. It was also hosted by one of the cast members from the show alongside Rishi Kishirway, who had been working in podcasting for like years and years before was a super great producer, interviewer, was a broadcaster, right? That was a great show. But then it's possible that that led to other shows sort of formulate on like, oh, West Wing Weekly did so well. And then those shows led to other shows and those shows led to other shows. And now there's like, (laughs) I don't know. There is a show called Talking Sopranos with Michael Imperioli hosting that I did see (laughs) on Twitter the other day. So you do like see yourself in the timeline of this thing of like, yeah, you kind of built it. And, And even when, you know, whenever you started your shows, like in the mid 2010s, there was like this sort of um, hunger for validation from other people. Yeah. But now it's been validated in this way that is a punishment (laughs) to you in some ways where it's like, well, if we have to make an ad sales deal between this person everyone knows and loves and this person no one's heard of or has X amount of followers maybe, but doesn't have like a five times a night TV show. We're probably going to go with this person. Totally. So it feels bad. I don't, I mean, I think there's always going to be like, I I think there will always be some semblance of meritocracy to the whole thing in the Mm -hmm. sense of like word of mouth is still more important than like luminary bought a billboard on sunset. Like I think word of mouth still exists. Yeah. And I mean, the one thing that I like about this, like sphere is that there are so many you you can do a podcast that's already been done essentially as long as you're really good like I think that the people who are doing good stuff will rise and there is that feeling that like okay even if like you know your podcast topic is something that other people have talked about it's people are coming here for you and they want to hear your personality and hear how you you talk about this thing and so there's still like 
hope in that. But I, I think, and I actually, I kind of don't think celebrities will like the huge celebrities that we're talking about, the type of people will be in this game for that long. I think it's like a little bit of a test, a little bit of a trial one run. I don't know how passionate they're going to be to do it every week for years. Like it's just a lot to ask. Those audiences will still exist, but as far as like the big numbers go, I don't know, but I, I do wonder too what the quarantine influence is going to be. Yeah. I mean, I've heard like conflicting things. I feel like some people are saying people are listening to podcasts less, whereas other people are saying they're listening more. I feel like I'm maybe at the same or possibly more than before. I, I'm listening as far as your own personal listenership. Yeah, yeah. 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 In terms of what I'm listening I and mean, what I'm listening to, like I will listen. I love listening to podcasts. I love having people talking all day. I like, I, I like the background of it. I like to catch up with all my shows. I don't want to miss them. And so I don't know. I hope that people are still listening. I think if I, especially if I was living alone, I'd have it on 24 seven. It's like comforting. The other thing that bumps me out though, about the celebrity stuff is is kind of losing the sense of community that did happen from like being mm-hmm. pol- part of a small, almost like in in the perspective of like the broader industry, sort of like a marginalized sector of it, where it is like mm-hmm. a Twitter punchline to some people or like a, yeah, a, a riff of a joke uh, for others or like the disdain, the, the tangible yes. disdain that some people have for it. So I do miss being a part of like, you know, the scrappy little bad news bears of it all of like, yeah, we're just like doing our shows and stuff as we like get more and more pushed out because then there's like less potential or opportunity for connecting with those people. Cause like, I'm not good. Yeah. Like, like you're saying there's people that you wouldn't invite on your show because you don't want it to be a waste of their time. That pool of people that now do podcasts has gotten infinitely bigger. Like I'm probably not going to, tap jenna fisher's publicist and be like hey do you want to talk about blah 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 you know like that's probably just not a good idea yeah i mean i think that's also one of the interesting things about it is that even though you know these people are doing the podcast i don't think they'd want to be a guest on mine and then that's where it gets confusing because you're like wait you're you want everyone to listen to yours and you want them to come on your thing for free most of the time and yet you wouldn't want to go do return the favor even if the show was good like it's like i'm not talking about doing some horrible not fun not funny thing like it's like a fun time but but yeah it it makes me i don't know like i don't know how it should like affect work going forward because for me it kind of gets back to this core question that obviously then i'll i'll pause it to you about like why you're doing it in the first place in the sense of like what is it? Is it is it like a proof of concept of like, see, cast me in your movie, cast me in your TV show? Is it like, I just want to live, I want to buy my groceries, and I want to do my work and have fun with like my friends and like the people I trust to come on my shows and have a good time with? Is it like to gain further influence or like to be a part of something or to break into something or be with people I wouldn't otherwise be with? What is it for you? I think it started as um, a way to like have my work recorded (laughs) because uh, what I do know like if you don't live in LA and you don't go to UCB then you just don't know what I do and so it really started as like oh this is like a way to like spread what I do and to like have a recording and it's cool and then over time it's it's kind of changed with my interests like I only do things that I want to do I'm not doing podcasts just to make money because there's not it's not like it's so much money that like that would make sense. It, I mean, it does now that we have nothing else going on, but that I think I had, I faced this like, um, 
this sort of crisis question or whatever when I started my Patreon because I didn't really want to post about it because I have so many podcasts and I don't know, I had like a weird sort of block about it for a little bit um, as I was finding my footing with it and wanting to make sure that it was worth $5 or whatever. What it came down to was like, because the numbers of a Patreon are never going to match the numbers you get for people, the free downloads you get, it's nowhere near that. But there's the feeling of I'm performing for this small group, essentially. What is the point? And what do I want to do? And I have to do what makes me happy and what makes it fun for me. So the Patreon has been a really fun experiment with this because it's showing me what I really just feel like doing. I change it every week and it's different all the time. And I've been doing watch alongs. You can sync up with a movie or improv episodes or um, just conversations. I did one episode by myself. Like it can kind of be anything. And I'm finding the like artistic exploration of that very fun Um, because with a show on a network you really do need to have a point and a specific you know thing that happens every week and and that's fun in its own way but can can you can burn yourself out a little bit um so that's been like a cool way to find out what matters to me and it's been growing and I've been having fun and like I I, it's getting more fun as it goes on so that's been cool it's been interesting too to see like where you started so squarely like in this camp of like doing characters and doing like fictional like podcasts on on with special guests and then the kind of shift over time to like raised by tv you're just yourself or freedom you're just yourself and and you know a lot of the stuff on the patreon you're just yourself and it feels like you're just more comfy and, and you know a lot of this just comes with age but it feels like you are sincerely more comfortable talking as yourself like when when did you feel that confidence like when did where did that come from oh god well you know interestingly I never like when I used to do improv when I was starting so like when I was like probably 18 through like 23 I like never was myself on stage I never used my real voice I only did character voices and then I met this manager and she was like you could be like Phoebe on Friends. And I was like, what? And she was like, you could do that, but you have to learn how to do use your real voice. And I was because so, TV, you can't do a character or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. And so then I joined UCB when I moved to New York. And that was where I started to find that because they most people there did that. They used their real voice and they also referred to each other as their real name in the scenes, which I found like really jarring at first. Um but that really helped me because I wanted to like learn how they were doing it. And so I started to talk as myself and that was like a, the first steps. But then I think from doing um, like podcasts and being kind of a guest on other people's shows, that was a big way of finding out like, what I wanted to talk about and how I, what my opinions were and feeling comfortable sharing them on like a platform of whatever someone else's show is about. That was a huge part of it because I think I was only doing my own improv show with special guests and then guesting on other people's as myself. And then that slowly kind of formed into the feeling of like, oh, I think I could do my own show where I'm myself and I feel like it's going to be fun to like listen to. And now it feels like you have an overabundance of things to talk about too. (laughs) (laughs) I could go on about anything. That's what's so fun. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and Newcomers is a part of this too. We didn't even mention that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my Star Wars podcast. Yeah. That's that's an interesting that. So you and Nicole weren't like super close friends before starting that show too. No, no, we weren't. And we like knew each other through, you know, UCB and just like we have a lot of friends in common. Um, But this is for sure like the most time we've ever spent together. Like and it's been talking about Star Wars, which is completely unexpected. 
Uh, but that really came. I had said on Freedom that I wanted. I was like, I kind of want to do a podcast. Like, I think I should do a podcast where I just watch Star Wars for the first time. But I really don't want to watch Star Wars. And then I like tweeted like someone tweeted at me like Nicole's never seen Star Wars either. Like, you should do a podcast together. And this was a was Twitter like, match. It was. Whoa. And then I was like, Nicole, do you want to do this? She already has like five podcasts too. But you know, and she was like, Oh God, I don't know. And then we got offers from um, Stitcher and HeadGum. And then we ended up just going with HeadGum. And it was like, it just happened through Twitter. And that's been so fun. It's been like a whole different world of people too. I've been really enjoying the fans, the response to that podcast, because I think we were both really nervous that people were going to like hate what we were saying because we're speaking negatively about a lot of the films. But it turns out there's a lot of people who like like hearing that. And they also like hearing two people who don't know what's going on talk about something that has like deep lore and like history to it that everyone who is a fan like knows really well. And we just get it all wrong. Yeah. But we have fun. For some people, it does truly feel like trashing the Bible. Do you know what I mean? Like it yeah, does feel and that's like I was so a, scared. Yeah. <laughs> I was really afraid. And I think there's like this feeling in our like entertainment industry where it's like not cool to say you don't like a show or a movie. And I'm not talking about like, I want to tweet at someone and say you suck and your show is bad, but like I can say, Oh, it wasn't my cup of tea. Star Wars. I know I've no interest in, but I've been finding things to like in it, which has been actually, it's been the, had the opposite effect on me that I just didn't expect this, but we've been starting to like appreciate and like certain things about it and have inside jokes. And it's a whole thing. And also the fans hate Star Wars. Like fans <laughs> Yes, notoriously shit on those movies yeah. like what do you want i'm a fan I, i'm a fan i dislike a lot of them i'm a fan i've seen them all and i have problems and i have things i like and that makes me a fan I think. yeah if you hate star wars you are a part of the fan community yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of the main thing yeah of being a star wars fan at this the point. only thing it takes is watching the movies and then you're a fan so you know i've seen them all so yeah. like for for relationships like that like that i mean with nicole it's kind of a new thing but even with like gabris or yeah. Ackerman and Paul of Tompkins, like performing friendship on mic is such like a weird thing sometimes. And there's like different levels of intensity. It's more intense when you're traveling a lot or touring a lot. It's more intense when it's like literally every week. But like, how do you, how do you like maintain and sort of protect those friendships off mic with what you do on mic? Like, how do you bounce that well, stuff? I think I've actually gotten to become closer with all of those people through doing the shows. Um, but Gabriel specifically, I would say the performance of the show is what made us good friends. Like we were just friendly, but we realized I did an episode of his podcast, High and Mighty, and, and you can come on and choose the topic you want to talk about. So I wanted to talk about TV's TV theme songs or something, something from the eighties. And we just kept going and going and we're like, Oh, we could do this forever. And that was like a real connection for us. And so doing the show, like I got to know his whole life story from doing this show. Like, I, I think it was like, we had conversations we never would have had. And we bonded in a way where I feel like such a brotherly sisterly connection to him because he had so many similar experiences to me and felt similarly about them. And like, it just feels like, oh, he could have been my neighbor. Like, I feel so comfortable with him from doing a podcast together. Like, we've traveled and done shows in other cities. And, like, I never would have gone on a trip with him. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just a totally random situation that we're in and ended up being, like, such a cool friendship to find. Oh, no. I mean, I feel like such a dumb little kid because I'm like, that's all I want from doing a show. But that's you know? so great. That's so great. <laughs> I mean, it, it, 
I mean, were you and Demi really close before doing? Not really. Uh, we were like, uh, we were friendly. We were like acquaintances before, and then doing that show. I mean, there was like that was re- that was an intense two and a half years because we were like doing two a week for like two years, and then touring oh a God. bunch. And like he had a full time job, so we'd like fly out for weekends of shows and then come back. Like it, so there was wow. a lot to it, and like on a long enough time frame, like we were still great, great friends. But there's there's like definitely highs and lows and just like anything that's like an intense partnership with that. But I I feel like those experiences did like ultimately bond us for maybe for life. It's only been eight years, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, with Scott and Paul, like we've traveled to Australia and like Canada and everywhere in America and spent months on the road together ultimately as it all adds up. And like some, one time it was a month straight and like, they're very easy to travel with we had a great time but of course you have like your like high you have your internal highs and lows on these journeys with other people where you're like oh I'm really frustrated but I don't know how to deal with this or like you know maybe it's during the show or maybe it's after I don't know but like for the most part we were cool and fine but it's like it's it and I don't think we ever had a fight or something but it's like you are having this, it's like a family. Like you're suddenly like, oh, we, we just travel together all the time. Like that's, I, I'm on a plane with Scott and Paul more than like anyone in my life. Like, Isn't that wild to think about like just miles clocked with people? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I wasn't expecting this. Yeah. But it's one of those things. I mean, so newcomers, you started like right, <laughs> kind of right before Corona times and, and yeah. quarantine. And the transition from like doing that in studio and in a different kind of world into like doing things like this, which is like you and I are talking right now over Zoom in our respective homes from a distance. And like you guys on the show have have had to transition from that. And even all the technical hiccups aside and everyone's like learning curve with like the lag or the delay or how not to talk to each other. I'm wondering what like your attitude now is even with like doing podcasts and shows. Because for me, it's unfortunately like it's been... And we've been doing this quarantine stuff for like a little over a month now, but I've gone through it in the sense of like, if you're a non-essential worker, which we are, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, it's just like, wait, what do I care about this? Like, what's the, like, it's it's hard to find something to like grab hold to and like tell yourself a story or believe whatever the truth is for like people listening to it that like you're doing a good thing and that you're putting something on the world that people mm-hmm. still want to listen to. What's yeah. been your journey with that stuff? I think I've had that similar thing of like, what's the point of everything? Or like, this is the point of everything. Or I kind of like go in all these different ways, depending on my mood. Um, I think my feeling right now after, you know, being in here over a month and going stir crazy is that this is like all I can do in the sense that, I can make someone forget about life for an hour or I can make them laugh and even if they're not forgetting about it or I can just be an entertaining friend or you know if you turn the movie on and press play on my thing and it's like we're hanging out it's like this is company like that you don't have right now and I think there's a feeling of like I almost want to tear up which sounds so dramatic but that's how I feel right now that like it's helpful and like it kind of highlights that this, the work we do as comedians or, you know, in general, this, this sort of entertainment stuff is meaningful that like, it does seem to have an impact on people, even if it's like one person here, one person there, one person, like, I'd rather like that than nothing. So it, it does feel good. Yeah. And it's funny too, with just like 
the tech being as good as it is now, where it's like, when this is put together, it won't feel like two people on opposite coasts talking through like a phone line. It does mm-hmm. sort of simulate the feeling of two people being in the room together, a group of people being in the room together. And that's like so yeah. really lovely to be able to, even if it is a fiction, to be able to like give that to people and just the yeah. sense of like human connection still exists and it's still possible and we can be like really grateful for the the tools that we have to make that happen still. Yeah. And I mean, I think we all are looking for ways to like keep going And so if for you that's listening to something positive or for me it's making something that is just going out into the world, like that's meaningful. Like it's not nothing. Like I just, it's so easy to like go the complete opposite direction and be like nothing matters and like this is horrible and we're going to live in this hell for who knows how long and like I'm getting scared just talking about it but like I, I, I can't do that every day. I can't, I cannot do that every day. And I feel really good having this like ability to connect this way during this time. And it, it does make my days better. And even the moments where I'm like, I booked myself on way too many podcasts, like I, which I have done during this, like I've been guesting on things and I'm like, that's like, I'm doing a podcast every day. And like, it starts to feel like a lot because I have to do the technical side and like upload things and like, oh, now it's like more time and that can feel frustrating. But then ultimately I'm glad and I'm just happy to like, you know, talk about whatever. Yeah. And it's something too, for me, when people talk about like this universal feeling most of us have about time being a philosophical concept more than like a thing where we know a day, it's a weird way for me to feel like structured to the day of like, well, this show comes out today. This show will come out Friday. And so there's that to it. Have you gotten, um, any like nice encouragement or emails or like messages during this time? I have. And those are so meaningful. And actually it's one way the Patreon has been so cool because my realization is like most people aren't going to pay to follow you unless they like you and like what you're doing. So the messages that I get on there are really, really nice. And they're more, even more meaningful in some ways than other, you know, messages, not necessarily. I mean, I guess I'm just saying that I've noticed that people will take the time to write me a couple paragraphs on there in a message form. And it's like, that is, it really does mean a lot to have someone say like, you know, I was really sad and then I listened to this and like it really helped me feel better and I just want you to know like what you do is cool and I like it and it's, it's like, how cool to take the time to write someone a little message and, you know, I don't know, it does mean a lot. Have you gotten nice encouragement? Yeah, Are definitely. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's just like, it's always meaningful, but it does feel like 20 times more so now where it's like, I mean, there's one aspect where it's like, well, I guess nothing, no one has anything to do. So this is what we're doing. It's like (laughs) writing Instagram DMs to people. Totally. But but there is this aspect of it where it's like, yeah, like just feeling like the one-to-one thing. And someone gave me a piece of advice a long time ago about like thinking of the audience, not as like a bunch of individuals, but as like a mass, like as a block. And it's not like... Karen and Celia and Jeff and Greg telling you things. It's like the audience is telling you things, but weirdly I feel like this experience we're all going through right now has made it again, sort of like it is individuals and it is like yeah. people that you're directly, I think you have to think about it like that rather than like, cause if you think about the audience as a mass right now, it's like, well, yeah, the mass is like, has depression is in, in yeah. is in, um, unemployed right now. But if you think of it, as those like five people or six people and like the, the names. And that, them. It, yes. It and that these people are at home and 
maybe that if you think that one person is depressed, then I'd rather cheer up that one person than be like, there's no way I can cheer up a mass of people. Not everyone's going to get happy from this thing, <laughs> but maybe one person will. And then it's like, well, that was cool. Like, yeah. thank God, you know, I actually got happy putting on these sunglasses. I, I posted a picture <laughs> on my Instagram today, but <laughs> I like found this pair of like flower shaped sunglasses that I had never opened. And I was like, oh, this is what I need. This is what I need. This stupid pair of sunglasses. When I go outside, now I'm happy. And I literally felt that way. And it was like, this is what a podcast does. Like, I'm putting on this thing to go, now I'm going to feel kind of good. This is kind of silly. It's kind of unrelated to everything that's happening. I'm just going to like walk around outside and bring a smile to maybe somebody or maybe they think I'm insane, but who cares? And like, it feels like good to make these choices for yourself in this time where like you have no choices really yeah so, you're making little joy machines for people to use yeah. on a weekly basis you do have a happy <laughs> voice lauren lapkiss you do <laughs> i you. promise thank you, you. <laughs> thanks for talking with me yeah thank you this is so nice Yay. we're i'm happy very now good at too. this oh that's very, very nice good at this. thank you <laughs> i might cut that part out <laughs> No, no, no. You should leave it in. You're very good at this. And I, I really like listening to your shows because you are a very good host. You're very calming, especially on this show. You're very calming. And I really like how you move through the conversation. So you you do really good work. Oh, that's very sweet. Thanks, buddy. It means a lot yeah. coming from you, too. Well, take it. <laughs> I, I will. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, cool. That was fun. Yay. Thanks, Lauren. All right. Lauren Lapkiss has a happy voice, and you can hear that happy voice on Freedom and Newcomers, wherever you find podcasts, and on Lap Time on patreon.com slash Lauren Lapkiss. Inside Voices is produced by me and Steve Allman. Our theme music is by Pam Autori, and I'm your host, Kevin T. Porter. Thanks for spending time with us today on Inside Voices. That was a HeadGum Podcast.